The information contained in this podcast is provided for your general information only. It does not give medical advice or engage in the practice of medicine. This massage podcast under no circumstances recommends particular treatment for specific individuals and in all cases recommends that you consult your physician or local treatment center before pursuing any course of treatment. Welcome to the Massage Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Adkins, along with our producer, Jorge Cisneros, and our massage guru, Elaine Kalinda. Good afternoon. Hello, Elaine. This is our 12th podcast. Uh, Yeah, episode 12. 12. Uh, You can find us at massagepodcast.com. And leave us a text or a voicemail at 303-656-9860. We have a contact page at our website. And if you have any questions, concerns, or a topic you'd like for us to talk to you, talk about, anything, just let us know. Um, today, we are off the cuff. We are. But luckily for us, Elaine has lots and lots of information in her head, and we can get her going. So <laughs> let's see what's on your mind. Well, today, what's on my mind is I got the uh, latest um, copy of the Journal of Body Work and Movement Therapy. And, um, you know, open it up, start reading. And the first article in there, well, the second one, first one is about uh, fascia and how important fascia seems to be these days. Well, you know, we're not surprised. But the second article... Uh, is called does massage therapy reduce cortisol a comprehensive quantitative review okay now we've been teaching you know that massage therapy reduces cortisol for several years now ever since a few uh, researchers did some preliminary tests on on uh, subjects testing um, cortisol levels before and after massage so in other words doing a saliva test and urine analysis uh, and sh- and they were showing that there was s- significant uh, redu- reduction in cortisol, known as the hormone um, related to stress, the stress hormone. And what do you? Th- what is elevated cortisol? What does that do to us? Well, it um, o- over a long period of time, we can see the effects. On again, everything I say from now on, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> An article like this comes out and it throws me off for a loop. But for as far as we know right now, and I think we have to phrase everything that way, right now, if cortisol is released into your bloodstream in an inappropriate ways, in other words, too much cortisol being released, <clears throat> uh, at first, it's very good for us. Part of the flight or fight, you know, it's for survival. It'll help you live for a few days without food and, and things like that. But over a long period of time, say a few months or a year, it can then start to do damage to the connective tissue. And this is what a lot of um, people were saying, you know, scientists were saying that this can lead to things like fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. chronic muscle, chronic pain syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, all of these syndromes that seem to be plaguing our stressed out society today. So now what? Now, so we get in there, we do massage and start to see that the massage has a beneficial effect on reducing the levels of cortisol. Wouldn't that be great news then? And so what you're what you found in this article is uh inconclusiveness is a, it's inconclusive. Yeah. 
that the studies and there haven't been that many, but the studies that have been uh, being done are not uh, statistically significant. In other words, there's just not enough proof. Um, and that's what these reviewers are saying. They reviewed, um, oh, I, I guess a dozen or so of the studies that were done, and they're looking at the statistics and the results of the studies, and they're saying things like, <clears throat> uh, across studies, diseases were noted in stress hormones. Cortisol was not significantly reduced. A finding that contrasts with the conclusion previously reached by people like Tiffany Feel, okay? Um, uh, things like positive changes have been noted in biochemistry following massage therapy, including reduced cortisol. Okay, but what they found was that it wasn't statistically significant. In other words, 31% mean decrease is not significant. Now, again, you know, when you're a researcher, a very scientific researcher, you you know things like 31%. Well, what is significant? 56%, probably over the 50% mark. You see what I'm saying? And um, things like there is currently scant evidence that massage therapy provides benefits by first reducing cortisol as massage therapy's effect on the stress hormone is seen to be small when analyzed correctly. So people are debating now about how people were doing the analysis and was it, you know, I mean, it's like, wait a minute. Does it mention what type of massage? Was it just Swedish? Because, I don't know, massage is a big word, especially these days. I mean. And in part of this uh, quantitative review, that's part of the discussion. Who's doing the massage? What Mm -hmm. kind of massage Mm -hmm. was it? Where was it uh, uh, administered? To what kind of people? And, um, you know, researchers just were just so new at it. It's like fledgling little projects that are going on. And there's been a lot of investigation uh, as to who's doing the massage. Because, you know, in, in the past, we've when you really take apart a research article and you figure out that it's some lab technician doing the massage who has had no massage therapy training, well, maybe that's why they're not getting significant, uh, mm-hmm. statistically significant results. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you know, it's 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 easy to be um, frustrated by these type of reports because, especially you you've been in the business for a long time and you want to start seeing solid evidence that what we're doing is very important. But you know, just just for for kicks, I have a client who has um, MS. She tells me massage helps her tremendously. And I don't need a report for me to tell me that, you know. And But, you know, I don't see a lot of people with MS come in. I don't think they're so wrapped up in the diagnosis of MS that I don't see a lot. I, we should, everybody who has MS should be coming in for a massage. Every, I yes, think. But, I agree. Yeah, this person said it helps her tremendously. She's in once every two weeks. Okay. That's fantastic. And then here I am walking into the classroom teaching this. Right. <laughs> and this is why articles like this get me... It's upsetting, but it's actually more exciting than upsetting because, it again, it just validates the fact that we need to do more research. And, uh, you know, I, I went into my class today and, and told them about the article and just said, listen, we're doing the best we can to give you the most updated and the most um, scientifically significant reasons and validations for what your your future career is going right. to be doing. So, again, I just encourage them to like go into the associate program to become little researchers themselves, you know. And a few of them have come through the school that have had PhDs and done research, and 
and and did very good <clears throat> jobs with their case reports on individuals. We even had one win the prize, you know, that given out by the foundation. She did a terrific job. And it was, um, uh, I think what the, in that particular case report, what was so exciting to the reviewers that awarded her the, the first prize was her photographic dis- depiction of how lymphatic drainage to a post-surgical um, knee came out, you know, mm-hmm. that the measurements before and after were, those were significant to reduce the circumference by three quarters of an inch within an hour's time. That's, that's you know, proof right there. But in, or, in other words, we would need about, we've had, a, I don't know how many studies really on cortisol, uh, but maybe definitely not significant enough. We need about 250 studies, not 35, you know. We need a lot more to, and they have to be, um, Repeatable. In other words, if the Boulder College of Massage Therapy, for instance, does a study on cortisol levels and changes, then it should be re- repeated by, say, um, the Atlanta School of Massage and the Ipsby College out in California and, you know, ha- a dozen or so schools. Um, and then we might see something that correlates, some some thread that ties it all together. So is this um, is this a pretty important... Journal. This journal. This is, journal, the Journal of uh, Body Work and Movement Therapies, is the the most closely related, I th- I would say, to massage therapy. Okay. But, you know, they, of course, they're, they're involved here with manual therapies. This is Leon Chaitow, Dr. Leon Chaitow's baby. He's the editor, and he's an osteopath. So you're going to find other articles in there uh, the, uh, that pertain to osteopathic medicine and chiropractic medicine. But it's definitely on the alternative integrative side of medicine. You think he's biased? Do I think he's biased? No, but I do know that he's um, very show me. You know, ah, yeah. he's from Eng- he's from England and you know South Africa originally. I tell you what, though, he might as well be from what is it, Missouri? Where they say you got to show me. Mm-hmm. And he's very he's a very good editor because of that. He's you know, real uh, hardcore, um, prove it to me, uh, don't, he, he, he kind of gets down in massage therapists and he challenges us to prove what we do, which is why an article like this would show up in here. Mm-hmm. Um, one time I heard him say something like, oh, you massage therapists, you make such a big deal out of the psoas muscle. Like it's the most important muscle in the body. <laughs> well, you know, uh, and he said, and he had this fella send in an article about, you know, going on and on, spewing on and on about the psoas and how important it is. And and he was just like, it's just not true. This is this is him. This is, you know, he's just like, come on, get off of it. It's not more important than its antagonist muscle, for instance, you know, instead of antagonist. So he's just not into limited thinking, but he will uh, make your blood boil with some of the things he says uh, and how he puts things. And I think that's important for us because we, we don't need to be babied at this point. We need um, to prove ourselves and to prove what just the mechanisms of how massage therapy and body work work in order to join uh, with the rest of the teams out there that have done miles and miles and years and years of research in their fields, right? So, uh, and here we want to you know, march into hospitals and things. And again, uh, like a student I was telling you about asking me for articles about massage therapy in hospitals, I'm sure I could find a few for her. 
Um, but when I read something like this, I don't know what to tell her to tell the administrators who want to hire her potentially uh, how massage therapy works. We don't know. <laughs> we just don't know anymore. We know it feels good. We know it works. We just don't know how. <laughs> okay, so if you're frustrated out there too, or if you have found some articles or uh, hear uh, something that just seems really, really valid for people to know, send it in to us or or call in and let us know about it. Now, we do want to say at the, the end, the results of the study, the last word from these authors here, and this is what you see a lot in research. You read a research article, and almost all the time at the very end of the article, say something like further, you know, further investigation needs to be done. Almost every article ends that way, especially in massage therapy ones. And this one also says that while this review answers the question, does massage therapy reduce cortisol, to which the answer is very little, if not, if at all, in other ways, it raises more questions than it answers, and research is all about questions, you see, and hypotheses, and, and that's why this is important, because now, how can we ask the question differently? The massage you mentioned, Don, what kind of massage are you doing? Is it relaxing enough, you see? If you want to talk about reducing stress, what kind of massage are you giving? Does it hurt? Are you doing myofascial? Are you doing trigger points in there? You know, so, oh, too many questions. You know, it'd be fun, too, to do, uh, you know, we should just open up the whole entire Massage Therapy Research Institute. Is there such a thing? Well, the closest thing to it that I know of, although there's a couple of colleges that are doing that, is, you know, Tiffany Field and her gang down there at the University of um, Miami Medical Center, and it's the Touch the Touch Therapy Institute. They have done a lot of research, but I remember 15 or so years ago when they first really started to do research in massage therapy down there, almost every study they came out with was highly criticized by some of the PhDs that I worked with. Mm. It's all oh, this study is so lame. It was such a small sample size. There was, you know, start with that. In other words, if you only study 20 people, it's not significant. Mm -hmm. You got to study 200, 400 people and really get get a wide range of people. In, in the Now, there's a certain amount of validity to that. Yeah, and figure out the type of therapies that are going to be used. And that has to be definitely mentioned in the articles and the research. We used neuromuscular therapy on this person, and this is what happened. Right. And I think we did a pretty good job at BCMT when we did the headache study and the carpal tunnel. So because we included exactly the protocol that we used and it was spelled out what every therapist did and every therapist did the same protocol mm -hmm. for the treatment for That's headaches. That's what Clint teaches? The that was, at, that time, yeah, yeah. at that time, yeah, at that time, the tension headache that Clint teaches exactly and he teaches it and he has a DVD out on that that shows the whole protocol that we did and all the therapists did the same thing and our results were very clean because of that. Mm -hmm. So it was really hard to criticize how we did that research because it was done very, um, it was technically sound and it was uh, verifiable and repeatable. And this is the thing that I tell students a lot. When you design your protocol and your research uh, studies, you need to design it and write it and compose it in a way that some kid from a school out in uh, Tennessee can pick up and say, Why? well, I can read this and I can try this on my client. You see, if it's too vague mm -hmm. and it's too general, then it's not uh, going to be repeatable. Mm -hmm. And that's another important part of uh, research and getting the results that uh, that you want. 
So that was very, that was a little bit of a bug in my, you know, throat last night when I walked into class after reading that for the second or third time, because all of these things, you have to read them so many times. Researchers also have their own language, you know, these PhDs, they, they learn how to do research at college, and they have a whole language of their very own. So we need more scientists in massage in general. We have very few PhDs and people who have been uh, educated in research to do the research. You know, we don't have a lot of PhDs out there doing massage therapy every day. No. Yet. Yet. I wonder if you can like hit up uh, interns or somebody has to write a paper for their, finish their PhD program or something. I don't know. Right. Well, it's happening anyway. The fact that it's happening to me is just so glorious that I can't get too upset about anything right now. It's just great to have research going on in our field but i i'm we're, you know what i'm saying what i'd like to convey to massage therapists is even though this is going on um just an, a note of caution that uh, we can tend to be very idealistic and just take everything for you know we read something in the massage magazine and massage journal and then we and then we think that's it now we've been proven or whatever and just to know that um uh, Things change, and people will criticize us and put us under the microscope and find out that, oh, yeah, well, your results are not that great as you thought they were. So that's all. We're very naive still. I mean, at least I speak for myself. I feel very naive, and I'm reading these articles all the time and teaching this stuff in the classroom, and I still feel very um, naive about what I've been doing for the last 30 years it's great that it works. It's great that people love it. It's great that we can help people with really complex problems. But it would be nice to be able to sit there and explain to them exactly how it works and have the, the, the conviction uh, and the proof in hand, you know. But when people feel better, they don't really care how it works. I have one question for you. Is there any study, uh, as far as we know, massage could help to release of endorphins, Right. So is that still a debate, the release of endorphins through massage, or no? Mm, yes, that I don't. I can't even think of an article or a study that's been done to to quote or to cite right now from. But releasing endorphins, like, what does that mean to you? What effect would that have on the body? Elation, all right, mood enhancement, sure, right. Working with people who are depressed, long uh, chronic pain people who mm -hmm. have just been in pain for so long, they mm -hmm. don't know how to feel good anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, sure. And when you reduce pain, again, you reduce pain, then the body has to come up with another feeling. So that's usually going to be, hey, it doesn't hurt anymore, and you feel better. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't sit here and tell you the mechanism by how that works. I don't know that anybody could. So, all right, how do, how do we know that massage increases blood flow? Yeah, remember that one? Yeah, how, the, how do we know this for sure? Who we, said that? We how thought, do you measure that? <laughs> <laughs> we thought that, you know, that was... Take, you know, remember being back at school and the book that you got, your textbook or something, that long list of beneficial effects of massage. How wonderful that was, and we thought, okay, that's great. This is, sci you know, this is scientific. It's from my book at school. And all of those things are coming into question now. Now, the thing about that is, where did they get those beneficial effects? Yeah. Where did they get them? I'll tell you where they got them. They got them from Sweden. For one thing, Europe, um, the French, the Germans, um, and most of the, the medical language of Europe was written in French and German. Okay? Uh, 
that's some old stuff, though. So if you bring that forward now, and Russian, a lot of Russian studies were done, massage therapy especially, and the Russians are known for this. And if you bring those texts, if we had those textbooks in front of us right now and could speak German or French and interpret it, we'd see what they're at. But we'd have to see where did they get that information. They did a lot of animal studies. Mm. Okay. Uh, one of the earliest studies that I read for increasing circulation was from the 1800s. It was studied by Goltz, a guy named Goltz and friends, you know. And they uh, got a dog. They put blue dye in the dog's uh, veins and uh, injected it in here and then, you know, in the uh, the foot of the dog and then did upward strokes and saw through fluoroscopic x-ray that it was indeed increasing the circulation. Okay, you're going to find a lot of massage therapists that want to sit around and open monkeys and dogs and do, no, you know, not, not likely. Mm-mm. But like you said before, Dawn, we should be experimenting on humans. It's not like we're going to hurt them with this stuff, Mm-mm. but you can't just inject dye into, I guess you could inject the dye into uh, human blood vessels and see, you know, if it's a harmless dye and see if uh, indeed by doing some effleurage there or cross fiber friction on a newly forming scar. Okay. Multi-directional friction. Does it really help? Does it help better realign and lay the tissue down? Um, during that fibroblastic stage, would you cause your scars to heal more evenly without um, uh, doing um, settling down and shrinking onto uh, nerve tissue? I don't know. We have a lot to do is what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe massage also does not spread cancer, but cures it. <laughs> yeah, spreading cancer. That was another one that I used to teach. Never do massage on cancer patients because you could spread cancer. You know, and I said it with such conviction because my teachers taught us that, and that's how things are. It's like folklore. We're just spreading the word down through the generations. And now we know that cancer, unfortunately, just spreads all by itself and goes wherever it wants to, whether the person is healthy or unhealthy. It doesn't matter if they eat healthy or they eat junk food. Cancer just does what it wants. And ever since we... Ever since we started getting that kind of information, we've kind of relaxed that you can't work with cancer patients. Now you have to take certain precautions with people with cancer just because they're, they, they're very sick, you know, during the chemotherapy. But there was an article, uh, again, researched article, that um, they did. I forget which hospital it was, but they were showing that cancer patients were receiving massage regularly, who were receiving massage regularly through chemotherapy, were um, give, having to take, I don't know, was that a great amount, $2,000 less a week uh, for anti-nausea medication. Imagine the savings. Now, here's a person lying in bed who's nauseous, and you come in and say, would you like a massage? And, and at first they were like, I don't really want to be touched or moved, but the gentle massage that was applied to even the hands and the feet was reducing nausea tremendously. So, I mean... Wouldn't it be great if we could really prove the mechanism, how that works? But right now, we just really don't know. I mean, if cancer was spread by massage, can you imagine? It would be spread by a tight pair of jeans and standing on your head. And yet all these cancer patients are being encouraged to do exercise as they, see, as they feel fit enough to yoga, stretching. That would, that would spread cancer too then if it was just the circulation. Mm-hmm. So disproven, that one I can really believe in because of all the people that we help all the time. I remember a clinic client used to come and say, oh, may she rest in peace. She was a wonderful woman. 
And she'd come in and she's, I'd walk in there and she'd go, oh, Elaine, this is the best part of my week. I wouldn't miss my massage for nothing. She had no hair. She was full in the chemo. And she, she was really, uh, had very spread cancer all over her body. But she said, I will do anything to come in here. I don't want to miss my massage. It's the best part of my week. Mm-hmm. All right? So I guess we have to get involved more with hospitals, as we have talked in previous episodes. And the question that comes to mind, Elaine, is you, you have encouraged people to say you have to look for that. But I was thinking anybody in any town or, or state thinking of that approach, how could you connect with the hospital? Who would be there? I mean, there are enormous institutions with tons of people in their administration. How would you approach a hospital, you know, somebody who has never uh, been in contact with them? Well, I would go to, see, uh, first of all, I'd find out if they had any massage at all in the mm-hmm. hospital, you mm-hmm. know, and try to find massage hospitals that are already either having schools do internships there. I would find a massage school that has an internship set up with a hospital. Um, you can also maybe get in through hospice which where the doors are a little bit more open. Um, But that's how I would go. I would find um, a massage school and say, do you have an internship program? And you're going to find one probably in just about every state now that has uh, their students working in hospitals. And then I would go to the person who coordinates those internships and ask for their contact person at the hospital. Okay, like like I said, for a long time, Longmont United here uh, had one massage therapist. Now they have 17, so they've already proven it over there that what they do is very beneficial. Um, started with one gal, just getting the door slightly open, and she got in there. Also, if you know a nurse, if you know a doctor, or anybody who works in the hospital, uh, they would probably give you a list of administrators that, you know, could open the door for you then like i say, do some uh, do a search get in there and do that liter- literary search and find articles the amta has great information on their website called the industry fact sheet and that has that whole um thing we're talking about about how much massage is in hospitals much more than te- it was 10 years ago five years ago and uh put together a little portfolio and send that into the um, to the contact person that you get. Once they start seeing all the beneficial uh, things that are going on in hospitals throughout the United States, and the statistics about the increase of use of massage in hospitals, which is significant, by the way, then you know you, that might open the door for you. Think of anything else, uh, Dawn, that that will open a door for people who want to work in this. I don't. Do you think you know that it's important for people to have? I don't know if you get a certificate in medical massage. Do you think that I that think, is mm, Im- absolutely immensely important? Or can you well, like? Could we walk in? You know, fresh out of school, or you definitely want to do your homework. You want to walk in. You want to walk in knowing their language for sure. Yeah, that's the other thing. There are a couple of good books. One is called now here again. It's a long title. But um, Gail McDonald uh, has written a book called, the first book was called Medicine Hands, uh, working with people with, uh, what is it? Working with people with cancer, massage for people with cancer, I think it is. And her second book came out a couple of years ago, and it's uh, Massage for the um, Medically Ill and Clinically Frail Client. It's got a real long name like that. In that book, though, especially, it has the photographs and descriptions of all the things you need to be careful of in the hospital. 
It's fantastic. Yeah, from, tubes and yeah, from the tubes, from the ports, mm-hmm. from the operation of the beds. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most comprehensive book out there right now. And if you're planning on working on a hospital, you want to read that book. Would you say 100 percent of the people that get worked on in the hospital are just stay in their hospital beds? They don't probably mm-hmm. all the massages done in their beds and yes. not on a massage table. Yeah, well. Some some uh, hospitals have um, set aside rooms yeah. that for massage therapy, which is very nice. And I remember going to Children's Memorial Hospital in uh, Chicago. Imagine that in the Children's Memorial Hospital having massage in there, and they had a separate room for um, for family members, kind of like a little Ronald McDonald house, you know, idea. for massage yeah. therapy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So when the mom and dad got tired, you know, they could take turns going into the other room and getting some massage therapy. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. Now, who paid for that? Was that, uh, did the hospital pay for this? The hospital paid for it. Nice. I, I know at that time they were doing massage ther- research in healing. Uh, was it massage therapy? Yes. And there was another research going on being conducted um, in healing. And that was uh, being done with, you know, Rosalind Breer you heard of her very yeah. famous uh healer and they had this very expensive machine in there that was measuring the vibrations from her hands to the patient and stuff like that but uh, you know again it ran for a couple of years they ran out of money and that sort of ended there but i had a friend who was doing heading up the massage therapy uh folks there and she took me all around the hospital and you could see people massaging these little preemies you know the tiny little babies and in those incubators and everything and it's just very exciting that was one of the most exciting things i've ever seen to walk through a hospital like that a children's memorial and see them getting massage therapy and in their beds and you know being touched like that it's fantastic and you know all of this is just in our little world here in <clears throat> the united states and mm. You know, I have a, a very good friend. He's from China, and he's a doctor from China who's here practicing as an acupuncturist. He also does something called medical qigong, and there is a right on his website. He's here in Denver, Colorado, but right on his website, there's a testimony from a man whose daughter had eye cancer, and he brought her to Henry, and he did his. I'll call, I don't want to say mojo, medical qigong mm-hmm. on her. And so when it came time to do the operation and they were looking for the cancer in the eye, it was gone. So it'd be really fun to uh, really get some good research on, you know, moving beyond into the energy work that they do um, in other countries. It's uh, it's fascinating there's hundreds and uh, yeah. thousands of stories like that. Yeah, there could there should be a you're right a, a a total manual therapy clinic where they're researching every possible mode modality that's out there, and uh, you know people could be going through um, there instead of sitting in a hospital bed or or being at home because they right. want to get rid of people in hot. You asked yeah. you know if they're in the hospital beds. You know how fast they want to get you out of the hospital these days. Again, because uh, pneumonia, primarily to prevent pneumonia, because they were getting a lot of bad press about how many people die in hospitals and how many people contract infections in hospitals they didn't come in with, Mm -hmm. you know, and how dirty hospitals were and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So they want to get you in and out fast, Uh, which is a good thing in one way, but in another way, uh, the last time I was in the hospital, I was begging them, please let me stay another night. I I can't even imagine sitting up, never mind going home. 
Well, okay, so we know for a fact that massage is good for circulation. <laughs> then that's even, uh, that's 100% reason to, everybody should get a massage while they're in the hospital. Especially the ones, like, <clears throat> what I worry about is, um, you know, we remember we had, um, I don't remember what class it was, but we had uh, chat people with physical disabilities come in yeah and um the the person i worked on did not want his legs done it didn't do him any good because it it didn't he didn't feel it but you would think it'd be good for circulation and um he still comes in so it's doing him some good yeah um there's also uh oh yeah especially the quadriplegics you know i just recently had a neighbor die of a pulmonary embolism and I think it was because he was in that chair all the time and he wasn't getting any type of, you know, movement. I mean, I know they can't move, but there's got, you got to do something with them to keep that blood flow. And I don't know if you can prevent, how, could that have been prevented? I don't know if there was some massage involved or movement, you know, movement. important. Well, you know, it's anybody's guess, but we were just talking about that last night. And another student said the very same thing. She mm. said, I was working on... A guy who's paraplegic, and he said, don't spend any time on my legs. I mean, I, I can't use them anyway, and I need the massage of my shoulders because I push the wheelchair all day. That I'm real tight in my upper body. But, you know, we always throw a little massage down there anyway. I mean, they're there. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're gone. But we have uh, people who are so highly motivated who do mono skiing and do very athletic. There's no guarantee that's going to keep them alive longer. It's just gonna that's their thing you know talk about adrenaline rush and endorphins uh some of these guys were very athletic when they got injured and they remain athletic the Mm -hmm. rest of their lives and and other people yeah can't even get them to stand in their their standing frame for 20 minutes you know they're so they're just lazy i don't know what i would be like if it happened to me i might be one of those lazy ones who just decides i'm gonna sit around because you know i feel bad for myself if they were rehabbed in Craig, they very few of them feel bad for themselves. They learn not to do self-pity there. Mm-hmm. It's amazing the psychological counseling these people get there. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I watched this, my neighbor come home, and he, he was great while he was in Craig, of course, because, you know, he wanted to die. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but as soon as he came home, you know, that support is gone. Right. You know, I just watched him kind of go downhill from there. Mm-hmm. That will happen to some people. For the quads especially. Yeah. I think there's there's a lot I've seen. Well, you know, that one person from the school, the paraplegic, he does everything. He builds his own house. He skis. He does a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you you know, you take away the arms. Forget it. Yeah. Forget it. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's, it's just. But again, if they wait a few years, <laughs> if they can manage a few years, they get more arm strength. It event it depends, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Topher; <laughs> he's the perfect example of that. Yeah. He's like our our school um, spokesperson right, for you know, and he's uh, at, he couldn't get on the massage table by himself uh, in the first two years. That's right; he's quad. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you can hardly tell anymore because mm-hmm. he's very self reliant, you know, and that's the thing. Uh, but that's that's a very personal thing. I again, I wouldn't know. I would. I'm not gonna sit here and say, well, I would. If that happened to me, I would, I wouldn't feel sorry for myself. Well, I so, guess I was just wondering no. if the, you know the they could really benefit from massage. We know that they do. Okay, we know that they do. You've yeah. done that, and that's why we bring them to the school to have give them massage, and that's why, that's why the whole lobby is filled with people when we have those in class clinics. It's a, it's a really great uh, service to community. And uh, I have a question for for you, Elaine, and I've been wanting to ask you for this for a long time now with research, and you were talking about the cortisol. 
is there any study about massage and weight reduction? Because quite often I receive these calls from ladies who will always ask for reductive massage. And my response usually is, you know, if that was entirely true, I think massage therapists would be millionaires. I believe if you follow a diet, exercise, and you use massage, for sure, you will accomplish your goals, but not just to rely on massage to lose the fat and, and that overweight. That's like squeezing out the cancer, right? Yeah. You could squeeze out the cancer and, you know, all the cancer into the big toe, then just lop off the big toe. That'd be the cure for cancer. It's, um, but at the same time, uh, this I've had this question posed to me many times over the years. Will massage therapy help me lose weight? Well, it will help you be motivated to feel better, and that will help you to lose weight. Now, that's the thing. But the other thing is that when you, um, and here's again, it's got to do something to circulation, because if you do a good lymphatic drainage preparation on the tissues, and then nice Swedish massage with a good pressure, a good rhythm, a good amount of time, not going on one area too long, people will get up and they will feel lighter. You know, mm-hmm. if you do the certain kinds of massage that make you feel heavy and tired and stiff, you know, especially if you don't include any, if the person's in one position too long and you don't do proper bolstering and you don't do any passive movement, they could feel like really stiff after the massage. But if you do lymphatic drainage and you do um, move things around and keep the person only for an hour, like about a half an hour on each side, or do some sideline work, mm-hmm. they'll get up and they'll feel lighter. And if you feel better, you're just gonna be more motivated to do anything you wanna do in your life. But we certainly can't sit here and say that massage helps you lose weight. Too bad, you know? Well, we'll add that to the uh, list of things we're researching at our Massage Therapy Research Institute. <laughs> yes, that's right. And you know what? We could say it does help you lose weight because we don't know that it doesn't. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think I've seen out there uh, like cellulite massage, yes. cellulite reduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's true. That works. Yeah. But it would, se- it would seem like you would need a lot of it. Liposage uh, is, can be quite painful. It can be a little bit hard to catch your breath. I have never really had the official, but I had a student that went and studied it. And um, she, she's still, I run into her once in a while. She still says she has a lot of clients that come in for it. Oh. And basically it just makes you a little more, it pulls your fascia away from your body so that the, the adipose uh, sinks back in. So it shows less, but it doesn't really get rid of, oh, okay. you know, it's not liposuction. <laughs> you see it's non-surgical, but it makes your, um, your thighs appear less um, pooky. You know, to, to, to be scientific about it, the the retinacular tissue that's holding the uh, cellulite against your body mm-hmm. gets loosened, and that's when the mm-hmm. fat can sneak through and show up like that. That's what it looks like that, like pot marks. And, um, and what you do is you pull the fascia away from the body with the, the massage. And uh, what I would do with my hands alone is to uh, with... Um, petrissage, picking up the the tissue, shaking it, and then slapping it back against the body with percussion, and for a short time you look like you have less cellulite. You know, I would do that to myself in the bathroom um, when I was changing before I put my bathing suit on to go out to the pool. You'd hear this. Elaine, <laughs> <laughs> hey. why are your thighs so red? Oh. I don't know. Got a little sunburn. They're smooth though. <laughs> There's no. You can't see any cellulite though. Oh, well, and, and dear, oh dear, sometimes it's just a person's tissue that just their makeup is, um, you know, their connective tissue is loose, poor things. 
I feel bad for him because it's a, it keeps a lot of people from enjoying, you know, the outdoors. Mm -hmm. So you have tried that and it's painful. I mean, that's what I heard before from somebody else. I haven't received it. It it could be painful, but I, but it can be, I was just curious. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to be taking some deep breaths through that. That's what she told me too. She said it, it hurts a little bit, but it really has very good results. And, um, yeah, I, I'm all for it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the little vanity um, and for and good appearance. But uh, I think that I've seen a lot of ladies right after they have a liposuction. That looks pretty brutal. They're all like, oh, they're just so purple and bruised in there. It's, but, you know, you see them a couple of months later and they're happy. They they look better. So Not always, though. That can turn out that to be can a backfire. nightmare situation. Saggy skin and you end up looking worse. and. Mm. Well, yeah, I've heard that. That's it's too bad. It's awful that we think that way, but some people do. You know, and that's the thing. People should just do what they want, and just good luck to them. Because who <laughs> knows? Talk about massage therapy not being uh, proven. Um, we have fortunately very few things go wrong in a massage therapy session. You could have a bad massage for sure, mm-hmm. but very few people get hurt. Hurt, unlike you know some other. Uh, surgeries oh, we hear the the horror stories all the time and we end up seeing some of those people in our practices and try to help them you know put things back together a little bit but now t- talking about that is are there any statistics with any of the organizations in terms of how many massage therapies get sued per year claiming injury mm, i don't know that there's a a, a document of statistics uh, that encompasses all the states, for instance, or the whole world. Mm-hmm. But I know that when we were trying to to get licensure here in Colorado, we we were turned down for licensure because we couldn't prove that we did enough harm. Isn't that strange? And we kept citing case after case, but we only came up with maybe a dozen cases over the last 12 years. That's mm-hmm. not a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like I said, we don't hurt people. Uh, mm-hmm. And the ones that were brought up against charges were untrained, for mm-hmm. the most part, mm-hmm. or um, you know, sexual assault cases, which turn that's up the once biggest, in a while. I would imagine that's the biggest. Uh, it, well, more than more than malpractice, right. it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, that was just criminal um, law, and you know, that's why we ended up with registration, according to the, you know, that's that's how it happened in Colorado, not in every state, but. Throughout the, th- what I've heard is that we we don't cause a lot of harm. So, and I've sat on maybe seven cases um, as an expert witness. There was one case of a massage therapist up in the mountains there. She brutalized this woman's tissues. I saw the photographs of her thighs bruised. And the lady said that she used her forearms in a way that, like, um, what you call that, rolling pin. And just went over her thighs too many times. They were purple, black purple. Mm. It was awful. Another case where a woman was um, uh, practicing. She had only had 300 hours of um, schooling. And then she studied with a chiropractor, showed her how to do neck adjustments or something like that. Ooh, Not yeah. a chiropractor. Um, oh, some kind of. Oh, sorry, Ida. A rolfer who showed her how to do neck adjustments. Again, without proper training, mm-hmm. she went to adjust this lady's neck and um, actually caused um, two or three herniated discs. 
The lady had seven surgeries on her neck by the time we got to the court. I've come across a couple of massage therapists that offer to do that for me, and I'm like, no. It's a no-no. Thank you. And you know, There's a lot more than you think out there that really think that they know what they're doing with no schooling in that area. Yeah. And there's like, there's a thrust, and there's no thrust, and, um, you know, it's kind of a soft tissue thing where you press a certain way, and you'll hear some adjustments, but those are non-force you know, mm-hmm. those are going to happen, but they're not intentionally done mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know. And then yeah. if you have a lot of experience, of course, you get more comfortable with the body. But yeah. mm. two, three years out of school and, you know, doing these uh, rough adjustments on people. So needless to say, who won that case? It was just, yeah. So, um, you know, we also do a tip of the week. I think Jorge has a technological Jorge has a tip. tip of the week for us. Um I always just want to throw out there to really honor yourselves as massage therapists. We work very hard, and you know what you need to do to honor yourself, exercise, keep that body in shape so you can use it for many years so we can remain free. That's why we do this, too, to help people, but there's also a certain freedom that we enjoy about it. So, Jorge, what do you want to tell us this week? Uh, well, this uh, technological tip of the week is uh, as massage therapists, those who, of us who have our own private practice, usually we have two options, either giving our cell phone, our personal cell phone, or purchasing a landline for taking those calls. Mm-hmm. Obviously, long term, the landline is, I think, is quite expensive. And by now, with the help of Google, there is something, a service called Google Voice. And this is a very simple service where anybody can sign up for a number. So let's say you don't you don't have a Google phone number, just go to their to their sites, just can do a simple search in Google for voice, Google Voice, and they, it would land you to the page where you sign up to get this number. So once that you're approved, you will get a notification saying you've been approved, and you can select the number you the ones that they have available. They have hundreds of numbers. Obviously, you will try to pick something that is local where you would like to be. And that way you can use that phone number as your business number. So this is what I've been doing. Now with the the good thing about uh, Google Voice is that you can forward, you can configure this service. So whenever somebody's calling you to this, come forward immediately to your cell phone, your landline, to other phone numbers that you might have. Now with the new trend of smartphones, with Android and the iPhones, you can actually use, there's an, an app for Google Voice where you can literally, you have, your smartphone with two phone lines, your regular cell phone, and immediately wow. can can get those calls from Google Voice. That's what I've been using, and I've been sa- saving some money on a monthly basis thanks to this service. And I just would like to recommend to anybody out there, especially, I, I believe we had that difficulty where we would like to separate our personal lives right. you know, with our, your own personal cell phone versus your business phone number. So if you are out there, really check it, check that out. There's quite a few uh, good videos on YouTube where you can learn some more about all the functionality of this service. But I'd really recommend to any anyone out there with a private practice should look into this. It might not be a good idea if you have a business with several employees. It might not be the best option. Still, you mm-hmm. can check that out. But for private practice, whatever you're doing definitely can save some money. And uh, you, know, you can make a little investment now with this uh, new phones, smartphones especially, that are becoming a little bit cheaper as, as, we, as we are going through. So mm-hmm. check that out. I recommend it. 
Google it, it, Voice. It doesn't cost you anything to have that phone. Oh my God. Google that's, that's Voice. You're not paying. You're not paying. They, they might charge you, if you, but you know, I just find it ideally for a local business. If you uh -huh. if you would like to do a long distance call, you can do it. They, they will charge you for mm -hmm. that using that mm -hmm. phone. Yeah, but if but you're, you don't do that much. as we are, just usually taking lo lo local people, mm -hmm. it doesn't cost you a dime. Yeah, one more reason to love Google. So, so yeah, some people like Google, some people don't, but I think this service is, has saved me some money over the last year for sure. So I mm -hmm. recommend it for anybody. Thank you, Jorge. Excellent. Oh my goodness. Now, do we uh, know what's happening next week? Not yet. We don't. We don't. We don't have a guest confirmed, but uh, but we have several guests that are you know traveling around, and we're going to have Ben Benjamin on in a couple of weeks. But right now, he's in Costa Rica teaching a class. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be good. We'll have uh, Karen Kohler. She's an mm. associate of mine. We're going to talk about orthobionomy, a fabulous type of cool. body work and created by an osteopath, right. Arthur Pauls. Um, from what I understand, he was he was a very interesting character. He's no longer with us on the planet, but right, right. He left behind some amazing body work, amazing. Yeah. Also, so, Clint Chandler is going to be here in a mm -hmm. few weeks. Clint Chandler is going to talk about his MyoFinder application. And we're going to have Aspen Sullivan from the school come over and talk to us about the veterans um, internship that our students are doing. She's so excited to talk with us about that. Nice. And uh, Amaya Abdominal Massage. Yep. Um, we're going to be sure. getting her and uh, Shelly Torgrove in here to talk about that. Yeah. Um, she does it. Um, I think getting training for it is difficult, though. You have to go to Belize or Mexico or something. Well, that's pretty difficult to go to Belize. Darn. Come on, please. You know, that's not harder <laughs> that's than going she learned, to... Was, yeah, it's, Belize. it's not any harder than going to Vienna mm -hmm. to learn how to drain the weenus wanes, which are... <laughs> you know, Vada method of there's a, there's a ton of benefits to uterine massage. You know, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But uh, <laughs> there's... So did she try with you? She did, did one on me. And, yeah. And, and, and she, it's, she does, and it was fabulous. It's very relaxing. You don't realize how much we hold out and hold our stomachs in all the time, you know, just yeah. out of habit and... So I felt actually fat afterwards because I felt like I would let go. You know what I mean? Yes. My stomach was relaxed. And yeah. it's great for any woman trying to get pregnant, especially because yeah. if there's a tilted uterus, they can't get pregnant as easy. So mm -hmm. she's getting people pregnant out there. It's great for painful periods. It's wonderful and stuff. It's supposed to be good for men, too. Obviously, you don't have a uterus, but there's, uh, there's, there's some stuff in there. They benefits. got their stuff. Yeah. So she'll tell us all about that. I'm looking forward to getting her in. Every one of the guys mm -hmm. in our class was amazed mm -hmm. on how they felt after mm -hmm. the self-massage for that. It yeah. was really, it's just so good to get in touch with your organs that mm -hmm. they're there, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think we should always massage our livers, you know? I think they work really hard. Yeah. Especially for some of us, more than <laughs> others. <laughs> I was just talking about liver in class today, and I said it has seven major functions under this, and and drug, um, you know, synthesis of drugs. And all the students are like, <laughs> yeah, alcohol especially. Alcohol and drugs, yeah. Yeah, just okay. don't take your acetaminophen. No. <laughs> you can still party. <laughs> so we're gonna go. So ahead we have, and, yeah, oh, we have great guests. Coming. Great guests coming great. up. We're not sure what's happening next week. Maybe it will be a surprise. And if you have. Uh, any questions or maybe, an, uh, again, a topic you'd like us to address, throw it out there at our at our website at massagepodcast.com on the contact page. You can chat with us during live recordings, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or if you have to leave a voicemail or a text message, you can do so at 303-656-9860. 
And uh, today was off the cuff. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Elaine, again, for all your wisdom. And I appreciate all your knowledge there because I don't pay attention very closely to all that. (laughs) Thank you, Don. You do, too. And thank you, Jorge, for your tip week. And we'll see you all next week. All right. Good day.